Welcome back to the Everyday Story Podcast. I'm Ben Armstrong. And I'm Jack Clem. We're here for part two of our interview with Matt Umloff. Uh, thanks for joining us again, Matt. Wow, thanks for letting me be here, guys. It's been a, been a lot of fun. Yeah. So last episode, we kind of overviewed um, Matt's life and uh, saw he was a true Renaissance man mm-hmm. and then uh, started talking about money and how uh, God's story and particularly the gospel should uh, affect and invade and overwrite uh, our cultural narrative that we have about money, how it should uh, take over the way um, we typically run to money to provide security, uh, give us independence, um, kind of forecast our future, um, and how the gospel transforms that, and it comes in and, and, and takes priority. Um, and, you know, we, we had just talked a little bit, even as we were preparing for this episode, you know, um, there's so many negative warnings in Scripture about money, and there's so many pitfalls to money that sometimes that's all that ever gets talked about, and we never... Fa- you know, we, we fail to mention that that money is a gift from God when used well, just like any other um, part of creation. It can be used for great kingdom advancement. It can be used for wise investing. It can be used for blessing others. Um, and so, you know, now we want to you know pivot in this episode and start talking about like the the details, the stuff everybody wants to know when they hear money's going to be talked about. So, Matt, how? should a Christian think about debt? We know this is uh, sometimes like a radical topic. There are people who are like radically, you know, sell all you have to get out of debt and, uh, you know, eat beans and rice until you get out of debt. Um, there are people who think that, you know, it's okay to have a lot of debt. And so what's, what do you think the gospel, um, you know, would tell us about how to uh, interact with debt? And is your advice different for individual people or families? Um, you know, is it different from how you would talk about an organization or a church? Um, how, how should we interact with debt as Christians? That's a great question. I think it's also a question we could talk a lot on. I think there's a lot of varying opinions and I think there's some guideposts maybe we can think through and, um, definitely Proverbs discusses who the debtor and the debtee is and who owns who. So you have to remember that. You know, if you owe someone money, they tend to own part of you or own you. So you have to think carefully through that. In the same way, um, we we operate in this country in the in the economic system that we have. And so your your question related to that is it different for different people? And I I, comp- I would wholeheartedly agree with you that it's I, you didn't you didn't say whether I agree or not, but I would, I would say, make the case that it, it's, it's specific to each situation. You know, some people, what if they've made some poor decisions? They come to you and they ask for advice. Well, they're already in debt. So there's one specific situation. Maybe there's another situation recently, um, just some clients coming and saying, you know, we're, we've, we've got our finances. I've helped them get on track and, and they want to purchase a house. And how is that? How are you really able to put up that kind of money to purchase a house? It's it's really not practical most of the time, and so thankfully we can get a mortgage, which is which is debt. So the bank owns your house while you pay them back. So you have the opportunity to live in that home and enjoy that home, um, but you may not own it fully. So you know while they're making wise decisions in other parts of their life that give them the opportunity to purchase a house. That's their specific situation. And, uh, you know, before, before we talked, uh, before we started this, this podcast episode, we were discussing 
church institutions? And I think that's a really important question to ask. Does your debt hold you back from doing things that maybe you should? So we were discussing one body of believers during COVID had, had the ability because of what they had, what God has blessed them with, you know, a, a bunch of people that have given to a, a church and they, they had the money to set aside a big chunk of it to go into their community and help feed the people that needed to be fed during a time when they really could use this physical, mm-hmm. this, these physical acts of love. And what a gospel showing that yes, is to speak was. gospel mm-hmm. into people's lives, but also to have the freedom to do that. So oftentimes our institutions are so saddled with debt because they want things Maybe they're good things, you know, it's hard to judge without knowing specific situations, but that's one of the guideposts I always look at. Um, is it, does it prevent you from living the gospel out with the community around you because you're so saddled with 20% of your budget or 30% of your budget going to debt? Um, so those are some guideposts that I would, that I would turn to. Now, um, to, to, Look at it from a different perspective. Let's let's use an investment term here. So, if you guys heard of what a bond is, right? So that's a debt instrument that a lot of our clients. That's just a a lot of our clients hold those investments. So they actually own a piece of a company, or they own sometimes the the well, actually a lot. The federal government issues debt to people, and they can buy it. So they own a piece of that of the, for lack of a better term, it's backed by the United States. Um, and so you can own pieces of these companies. So you have a say in, uh, the idea is you have a say in what these companies are and what they do, and you have a vested interest in what they are. So you, you can own a piece of that. You also live here, or you own a piece of the debt. You don't own a piece of the company. So I wanna be clear about that. Um, so that's, that's one way to look at the positives of, of owning someone else's. You can kind of flip it on, its, on, a, on the other side. You, know, you can see what I'm saying with that. Um, so anyway, does that help? Does that yeah, frame? This is helpful. Okay. Um, are you a no debtor? Um, I I love not being in debt and being beholden to somebody, if possible. Okay. So let me just. I, I like to talk to clients and people like I. I you, you everyone knows dieting. Okay. So I want to talk to you specifically, or you specifically, or you specifically get to know you, get to understand your habits, your lifestyle. What what can you do to help you? What can I do to help you financially move from point A to point B in the best way possible? And I'm, I'm a believer in the Jesus gospel. So this has a big impact in how I would talk to others. But in the same way, I could tell you to eat lettuce for a year and you most certainly would lose weight, but does that create a habit that you can continue? It's difficult for me to really get behind something like that. I, I, I take nothing away from others who, you know, preach an idea of let's put everything on hold, let's pay off all the debt we can as fast as we can. And I think in, in, in circumstances, that's definitely appropriate. But in other circumstances, it's good to be able to live your life and be able to do things that you need to do to live your life and also practice good debt reduction, okay? So I'm treading this <laughs> I, I'm treading this wire down the middle saying that it's a, it's a specialized thing. I, I'm thinking of some people that might come to me and they want to retire in three years or whatever, um, the specific example, and they're very beholden to credit card companies. They know what they're doing. They want to own you. They want you to charge the very double digit APR, 15, 18, 20% APR, which is high. 
So there are times when it's like, wow, this is really important that we drill down into this. We need to get rid of this debt right now. Certainly that is. Um, but to, to make a blanket statement to say that everyone has to just set everything aside and go hard after no debt, I, I really can't get behind that. So this is, this is maybe, you know, you're pushing us to think about talking about this in Christian community with other wise believers. They can help in... Uh, knowing you and in knowing habits and in knowing lifestyle and in knowing, you know, maybe future goals or aspirations. And the community can really give great wisdom to people. Um, you know, I feel like the, the big takeaway for me is that uh, like the rugged individualism that is often wed to how we spend our money um, should be rethought in the light of the gospel. And these should be conversations that involve wisdom and other people. You're exactly right. And you're touching on something that's so important. Also, not just spin, but save. Before you go into that, maybe just uh, maybe for our listeners, we could um, perhaps put it into a, a little bit of a, a case study scenario. So say a young couple comes to you, just newly married. Uh, it's wh- not Leah and I. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you were about to do there, Jack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> not taking uh, it. All right. So, no, you know, what, what maybe three, four things would you say just to be like high, high points? Okay. Here's a, here are like three, four things to think about with your finances now that you're a newly married couple. Mm-hmm. What, would, what would be the, the, the top things that come off your experience? And, you okay. Know. Um, that's a great topic. Can I... I don't mean to cut you off. Can we go back and just say one quick thing sure, about Ben? All right, mm-hmm. maybe we should pause for a second. Okay. So I wanted to just touch on what you just said, Ben. You you mentioned the word church and the body of believers, which I think we know, and I, I mentioned in the last episode that we are going through the book of Ephesians, that talk of, talking about the body of, of Christ. That's who the church is supposed to be. And how we we don't depend on that for help. Oftentimes, we cast aside many parts of our lives and try to get through it ourselves, and money is definitely one of those issues. So I know that I've benefited greatly from the community, from, from church, having the, the wisdom in there to go to talk to people, to, to feel comfortable, to share personal things so that I can get help dealing with it, because I, I certainly don't see some of the blind spots in my life. I'm not skilled, or I don't, I don't have what one, maybe someone else might have, and they can speak directly into that. So I think it's, it's, it's key, it's huge to have a body of believers you're involved with where you can actually talk and discuss what we're talking about. Is it important? The debt thing is huge. It can seem so right to you that I should go buy whatever, A, B, and C. Um, and to have you have some wise counsel from the body of believers you're involved with help you navigate through that, ask, help you with questions maybe you hadn't thought of. And maybe it is the right decision, maybe it's not, but that's a gift that we need to take advantage of. Now, to go back to, to Jack's question, I would like to say that's a great question that you ask. Um, so if I'm sitting in front of a, a young couple, we would have a conversation about how money has a way of controlling you. And if you let it, it's one of the one of the largest factors in disagreements in a marriage. So we would we would frame a discussion about that and I I, I often want to hear uh, every time I want to hear from the wife and the husband 
their goals, their dreams, their pursuits. Let's get it on the table. Let's discuss what, what your expectations are with the money that you have. And sometimes there's some surprising things that can come out in that conversation. And I find that to be a really rewarding and interesting part of my job that really doesn't have anything to do with numbers or, you know, you know, investment vehicles or whatever, which are very important to, and I want to minimize that, but just being able to counsel in front of two young people and have them discuss this in their lives. So that's the first thing to be open and honest about what's going on. Then the next thing I would say is we, we need to develop, we need to understand more about what you're doing now with your finances. So to get them talking first, but then to get, get a piece of paper um, there are many programs out there you can use, an Excel spreadsheet, a piece of paper, just to walk down what their needs are on a monthly basis, what their income is, and then maybe a category for their wants. So we're just talking about a basic budget, whether they want to follow that or not. I need to get a good picture as to what they're doing and what decisions they're making with it. That's That can be very eye-opening. Sometimes it's striking because that might be the first conversation that they've had with somebody and sometimes even with each other. Yes. Um, and so you, you learn a lot about the process of how they view their relationship with each other and uh, what the decisions that they, they feel like they want to make. So that's the first thing. And then, then we get a, get a good idea as to what their debt and income is and where, where, they, where they stand financially. And then I can begin to start making some recommendations uh, based on that information. Um, so that's, that's how I would approach that first meeting. So obviously, usually not, I'm the stereotyping young couples. They're looking for maybe a, a first-time home buy. You know, um, they're looking for where they, what, what their aspirations are. Sometimes children are in the mix with that. So we talk through all of those things. We discuss it. And then we come up with a plan and we put it into place. Um, and that's a fluid plan. So, and, and we can change that as, as needs arise. Um, so I hope that answers your no, question. No, that, that's well. good. Yeah. I just wanted to um, kind of draw out from you a couple of things that, you know, we want to think about. We were just talking so much about debt. And one of the things that, you know, I think also you would probably agree factors in is like, well, what's the nature of this debt? You know, there are there's certain kinds of things you can invest in that will appreciate, you know, like hopefully a real estate investment versus the purchase of a car. You know, so you're also thinking about, the nature of what it is you're purchasing and whether or not there's any, I mean, you're still in debt, but there's more of a probability of, you know, recovering the investment and not, um, you know, being completely sunk by it. Right. So that's a conversation that's great to have. And, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned, vehicles is, a, is an interesting topic. Um, yeah. And, you know, a $30,000, $40,000 vehicle is a lot of money. Oh, well, I can't um, believe the price of cars these so, days. <laughs> and it's not abnormal for people on two relatively normal salaries to, to own two or three of those. And, and so that can be saddled. And so you're, you're speaking to the fact that as our culture looks down or as maybe we look up at our culture and the expectations are there, um, talking with some people recently, it's, it's interesting that even family can put that pressure on you. Well, you know, you should be getting a, a new car because that's what you need to have. Like, it's, it's really interesting to me. You'd think that they would, um, this is maybe a generation thing too, I'm, I'm finding. But anyways, just to say, 
to be very careful, and that's what we talk with, you you only have a certain amount of income coming in and you can and will be beholden to others. Right. Um, and it's very easy to do. We talked about credit cards a little bit, but um, definitely loans to cars. Are, and, and it's very inviting, very low APR right now. You can buy an expensive car for not, sure. not, not a lot of interest. And so the temptation is to just take that dive in. And I, and I would go back to talking with someone like me, but also Ben's comment of what the church is and what it should be. And these are questions that can be help, helpful from especially, hopefully we'll get there at some point in the, during the podcast, but older people, older individuals in the church that have experienced this in their life and have made these mistakes or maybe not and made good decisions and having them be parts of these younger people's lives. Well, it's kind of interesting for Kathy and for me, our children are at that point in their lives where they're, they're starting to hit sort of their stride in their career. You know, they're starting to make better money. And uh, as I've been around through church involvement, people like yourself, and I see the value of what, you know, your expertise or your knowledge base brings to, like our, in fact, I'm just thinking about my children, our children. Um, I've tried to encourage them, you know, get in touch with, you know, do you want to talk to who I'm talking to? And there's sort of this like, well, no, you know, it, you know, that's something that you do when you're in your 50s or your 60s. But I'm just thinking about how, how beneficial it would be if somebody starts a relationship from the point of marriage or day one, you know, right out of college with someone like yourself who can, you know, be discipling along the way with one of these, you know, one of the most critical elements of life, your, your ability to buy and sell and to live or die. And uh, what, a, what a vital role people like yourself could play in the church. You know, like we, we don't think about, I mean, maybe we do, I don't want to overstate it or understate it, but think about discipleship through the angle of or the entry point of finances. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's very well said. And I go back to our small group. Um, we've had a number of conversations like this, which, is, which has been really really encouraging and really fun um, to just be able to talk with people and have them just open up about things. Especially somebody like yourself who is more informed about the story of Scripture and is not just thinking about good business practice, which is wonderful, but then to bring in this other dimension that might at times be countercultural to the good business practice, you know, in terms of ways of sharing and giving and investing within that community and not always in the latest or the best buy or sell in the stock market. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so we've talked a little bit about debt. So now what about saving versus giving? Um, how do we avoid, uh, you know, saving to the point that we fail to be generous? We look to our saving for security and for future, you know, promise and for, um, you know, all of that. How do we avoid that pitfall, but saving wisely? Um, and, and how do we like learn to give wisely? Not, um, you know, you have the stories in, in the scripture where people give everything they have, or they give close to everything they have. Um, you know, what does it look like to live wisely in today's culture and the culture we live in, um, to do that responsibly, to do that wisely, but then to, to give generously? Uh, how should the gospel start to affect how we think about those areas? Uh, it's a great question, Ben. So you alluded to 
should we give everything? Well, I think there are times in the Bible uh, we talk about the rich young uh, young man who comes and said, "What must I do to be saved?" Well, well Jesus calls him out um, and 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 asks him to do just that. You know, and I don't think I'm, we're not. I don't want to go down that path where we everyone should be called to do that. But there are times when that's that's the case. Um, so uh, I, I would go back to some of our previous comments. Um, you can't live unto yourself and expect to make good decisions. This this is one of the body life things that we talk about. Um, yes, you can talk to a professional. Yes, you can come talk with me. I encourage you to do that. But a lot of this can be answered with a community that's open and honest. It actually is participating in what the New Testament church should be should be like. So um, a minute ago, we talked about older um, older into younger is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, so retirement, as it seems, is is not looked at kindly. I mean, maybe we're transitioning into this, but 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 oftentimes we see a man, for instance, working his entire life and accumulating the wealth he needs to accumulate so that he can go do whatever he wants to do. That's, I mean, I might be simplifying, but that's kind of the the retirement model that we have. In, in our economy right now, in our country now. Um, so how does that work with with the gospel? I, I don't really see that anywhere. Um, I like to think of it as retirement is a time when you can choose not to work and provide for money, but you put your efforts and your energy because you have the abilities to do that into other areas where you need to be doing it. So this is one huge area where you can have older into younger um, and, and just creating the culture to be able to do that, is, it's not maybe an easy thing because I think as a young person, you have this idea that I have all the answers, right? And that can be good, that can be bad, but you need to have that culture where, where it is like that. Um, I, I, I was remembering as I was thinking through some of these things that we wanted to talk about today, one of my mentors um, in a room full of older guys, I was, I was the youngest guy there and just kind of pleading with him with this room saying, Please don't make, please don't make the forty-year-olds the new sixty-year-olds. Okay, so you see what I'm saying? Um, the, the power that an older man who's had a great career doing whatever and has made great decisions, man, having that person sink into me, that kind of energy in discipleship is huge. It's just huge with these kinds of decisions that we're talking about here. And I mean, this is just one small part of those decisions. There's many other things that go into it, many other parts of your life that this is supposed to be taking place with. So, um, okay, that's how I would frame an answer. Hopefully that gets to it. So um, how about how about how Christians should think about the poor and money? So I think in our culture, you know, maybe even our church subcultures, um, there's an emphasis on personal responsibility. And, um, you know, I think, if anything, the last year, um, you know, there were people that started to push that, no, there's like systemic realities at play too, that, that interact with personal responsibility. So the Bible has a lot to say about the poor and it has a lot to say about the rich and how those two should interact. And, um, I'm just curious, you know, what, what's kind of your, uh, you know, kind of, what are your top thoughts on how gospel living people uh, should interact with the poor. 
That's a great question. Um, there's, there's no categories that are excluded from the church, right? Um, so we learn and grow from serving those who, for, for lack of a better term, are poor. And I think there's categories of being poor. There's poor in wealth. There's poor in pedigree. There's poor in intellect, maybe. There's, there's people that don't have the opportunities that maybe you got growing up. Um, what, what, a, what a great experience and what a picture of the gospel as Jesus came down as a infant in a place, the most vulnerable of all. It's just, it's astounding to me. And as he was heralded to shepherds that were considered kind of the trash of society, then, I mean, um, just time and time again in the narrative of the New Testament, talking about the vulnerable and how there's a responsibility to them, um, even as Jesus came for me um, as a vulnerable baby. So, boy, you, we could talk a long time on this just to say that that's a gift for, for those of us that have the ability to help them. That's a picture of the gospel being lived out as I look into that person who, and, and I would say to your comment, we're talking about, so we're talking about the responsibility of rich and poor. So it's easy, it's easy to love um, it's easy to love people that haven't made mistakes. It's easy to love people that maybe from a retribution principle idea have decided to make a series of wise decisions. And because of those wise decisions, they're in a different place. It's harder to love a person who has made some bad decisions. And it's there, it, you can see plainly from their life that it, it's, they're in a place now because they've made these decisions. Um, but I submit to you that that's closer to the place, not the place, but closer to the place I stand before my God. If I'm that person that has the means that can therefore love this person over here that doesn't have the means, that's closer to what it looks like to be loved by an all-powerful God who sent his son Jesus down to be this vulnerable little baby. It's, 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 it's ironic that we kind of flip that on its head often. Um, so I, I guess in a nutshell, that's a, that's a deep question. We could go down that yeah, rabbit hole, but that's, right. that's kind of how I would look at it. Yeah, and I think our culture plays into that too, going back to the, the frequent references we've been making in this conversation about sort of the American rugged individualism, mm -hmm. capitalism, and you, know, you look at somebody who's made these bad mistakes, and there's just a judgment that you make on that person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, well, they, they got what they deserved, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to give them my money because they can't, be trusted. That's right. You know, kind of. So there's this. It's 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 multi-layered. You're right. I, I would say like there's a there was a in the last couple of years we've had a number of circumstances like this, and I can tell you that the conversations that came out of were, were conversations like this. How do we help this person who can't help themselves um, because of whatever? Um, you know. Those conversations, I, I couldn't believe the conversation we were having just answering some of those questions and how we were thinking through the gospel that never would have occurred to me had we not helped a vulnerable person who couldn't really help themselves, you know? Um, and and I, I just, I'm struck by how often I just walk through the world and either choose or don't see those people that are all, all around us, you know? 
I, I quoted that statistics. I texted my wife earlier today because she had the statistics when COVID started. And it was something like half or a third of the world's population didn't have the ability to even wash their hands with clean water. So it, it's there. And, and we can go, listen, I would like to talk a little bit about what the positives are here yeah. in wealth. So the, the question is brought up as a lot of my friends have been blessed with great businesses. They're really smart. They have great acumen for business. They've done extremely well. And God has blessed them richly in those ways. And so I often ask the question, well, what now? And I think certainly there's a different standard for, for people that are in that category when it comes to what they have to think through. Now they're thinking about, should I hire or fire this employee? What does the gospel speak into this? Um, should I hire or fire this employee? Um, um, what do I do with this excess money that I have? How can I use this wisely for the kingdom of God? And, and I mean, those are really great questions, but questions that many people don't ever have to ask. Um, so that's like a different side of it, right? Okay, so, and I wanna go back once again to what we talked about earlier about the body of Christ, the church being involved in this. Having someone who's a wealthy individual who has been successful and God has blessed them with the skill set they need to do that, what an awesome opportunity to be able to use those funds in ways that further the kingdom. Um, and you guys can start quoting ways that is. I mean, just being able to have uh, the eye open to help people who may need help. I mean, there's a number of people that I've been in contact with over the last two or three years that were it not for people like that would be in a world of hurt, but people were willing to step into their lives and give and give generously to them because of what God has blessed. So not only is that person who has the funds to do that, can you imagine them living the gospel out that way, loving this individual who may or may not have gotten themselves into this position, but loving them and being able to produce the kind of finances to help them out of what they're, what they're dealing with. And then to have that person Sometimes it's hard to receive, isn't it? Yes, yes. Isn't it, isn't mm -hmm. it hard to receive? Because, because you feel indebted to that that's person. A, that's exactly right. So how does the gospel speak into that? And I'm not sure if you all have ever thought through that. Um, so like, I think of it like this, the person, why should they receive that gift? Isn't it similar to the way we should view our God and what he's given us? I mean, we've been richly blessed we are, it's, it's told in Ephesians, we're, we're the manifold wisdom of God to the non-physical world. I don't even know all of what that entails to say that. We are, it's unbelievable what we've been given. So if we, if we truly believe that, if that person who needs those funds needs that, don't you think that if they understand what the gospel should mean for them, they should say, yes, I'll take that. And that person giving those funds, of course, they can't look at it like um, I own you now because I gave you this. You know, they, they're looking at it as a picture of the gospel too. Do you see how it should be working together as one? That's really good. Um, does God uh, only bless the righteous with wealth? One of the things we wanted to kind of highlight was uh, what Proverbs has to say about sure. wealth and poverty and so forth. And, you know, it, it, I mean, it is clear that God does bless the righteous with wealth. You know, from, you know, women, woman wisdom says, wealth and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. My yield than choice silver, Proverbs 8, 8 18 to 19. And then, of course, 
you know, foolishness does lead to poverty. You know, but I think, you know, we can't think in terms of rigid categories. Right. I would like to hear your thoughts just on maybe the wisdom literature. Maybe I'm putting you on the spot, Dr. Jack, but like the wisdom literature as Proverbs describes perhaps one way, we can mm-hmm. call that a retribution idea of right. how God would work. But right. perhaps if we look at a book like Job, how that might present a different view um, and maybe Lamentations, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't, well, I don't have a lot of uh, insight of you know, that comes out of my own personal study. Other did, you, than, did you hear me say, I, I said, I asked him, Dr. Jack, right? After yeah, I know. I felt, I felt that pressure. <laughs> yeah. I felt that no, pressure. No pressure. Right yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, well, I think when you look at pr- proverbs and wisdom literature, you're looking at principles. You're looking sure. at, you know, so. The way that life works best. Right. And that is a so, gift of God. Right. I would say that's how I would yeah, frame it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, do you answer a fool according to his folly? Well, yes and no. Right. You know, right. sometimes you That's do, a, some, sometimes you don't. And does God bless only the righteous? Well, uh, yes and no. You know, so, I mean, I think we were talking about poverty, and poverty comes on us because of injustice or oppression, as well as making foolish decisions. Self-inflicted, yeah. Self-inflicted kind of thing. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that we can, you know, establish those mechanistic principles that, you know, and look at somebody, oh, you're, you have a lot of money, you must be righteous, because there's a lot of wicked people who have a lot of money right. that are not righteous. So, um, so it, you know, it's not an easy, you know, yes or no kind of an answer. Um, I don't know, you know, in all of this conversation, though, it's just so interesting to me. I keep coming back to, you know, this is, you know, how we handle money is really an issue of the heart, our relationship with the Lord, our transparency, our openness, our closeness, our you know willingness to get help, to seek the right counsel with the right kind, you know, in, it, in making important decisions. It's, it's a great point. I, th- I think similar to what when COVID struck yeah. first, right? We we saw a lot of people's, and even our. My, I had to rethink this too. The bubble that we thought we controlled kind of burst there. And so we had to come to terms with what does that look like? What have, what have I really been thinking about? Have I been thinking about this right? And I think money is definitely that issue. Um, speaking about the righteous, though, I, I read, I was reading about this. I, I just wanted to read what one writer read, uh, wrote about the New Testament and it, directly to your question. Um, the New Testament carried forward the major principles of the Old Testament and intertestamental Judaism with one conspicuous omission. Never was material wealth promised as a guaranteed reward for either spiritual obedience or simple hard work. Material reward for piety never appears, uh, never reappears in Jesus' teaching as explicitly contradicted throughout. So, so, no, it doesn't happen. And I think that's probably where you guys were getting at. And we've, we've talked, I don't know if, if, if Dr. Jack, if you've seen the, the documentary on Netflix called American Gospel. No. That deals with this with this particular question, I think, is really boy, that is really powerful. So it's a category that we should have that one can be godly and poor. Mm-hmm. Um, poor is not always lazy, and rich is not always hardworking. You you speak truth, and I, I can tell you right now, as a man between two worlds, remember what I said: as an artist, someone who values creativity and values music. You don't, you know, entering a field like that, you know, 
And even with the accomplishments, you know, I've been blessed to be able to do the things I, I can do. Even with that, it's, it's difficult. And experiencing, I think scorn is too powerful for word, but experiencing other people looking at you like, wow, you don't, you don't, you know, you're not, you're not really that important because you don't. Like, oh, you this. just play music all day? You just day? play music oh, all hard, day. Hard yeah. job there. Yeah, yeah. 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 hard job, just like that. Yeah. Exactly right. but, <laughs> or but, like a pastor, he only works one day a week. That's, that's right. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> what <do> you, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that is true. And uh, they, they work hand in hand with each other. I think the duty would be, you know, and some of my friends, we talk often about how can we help, how can we help that person who maybe didn't have the guidance when they were young or maybe didn't have the opportunity that they had. Maybe how can we disciple them not only to understand and grow in what the gospel should mean for their lives, but how to conduct themselves in a way that they can better themselves down the road. And I think that's that's definitely speaking straight from a gospel message into those people's lives. Yeah. And then there comes a point where rich and poor need to trust the Lord, you know, ultimately for his care. So I mean you can work and work and you know try your very best, but at the same time, you know, you may never, you may, you may never achieve what you think you need, and uh, as well, you know, the rich have all have a different, you know, set of experiences that require them to trust the Lord. Uh, but ultimately, it's like you 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 manage well, and you you know, live out the gospel with your finances. But there is a sense where, all right, Lord, I'm ultimately dependent upon you because you're the one that gives me the power to make wealth. You're the one that ultimately provides for right. me. Right, I think you're speaking, and I, if I could just say, like, your fear reveals where your worship lies. Right. So if you don't have the money and you're fearing, where is it going to come from? Or I think, to put it a little bit differently, if you have the money and you fear that it's going to be taken or that you're going to, something's going to happen or you, you have to continue to hoard this because you don't, you know... so. That is really well said. I think that if if we listen to what you said, Doctor Jack, I think that we the gospel is not black and white. I mean, we we live in in this world, and we can't just make a blanket statement saying blank, be rich, be poor. We're we're in this. We're, we should be in the body of Christ together, and we should be helping. We should build be building each other up. You know, yeah, wisdom, contentment, community. I love how First Timothy six. Oh, I'm so closes, glad you brought up the passage. Yeah. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I think that's like really uh, a wise word um, from Paul regarding how the rich in the church should think about uh, the fleeting nature of money. You know, it's this present age, um, but there's one to come that's more important. And so we live investing well, giving well, saving wisely, spending well in order um, for the hope in God and for the life that's to come. And so we want to do that wisely. And I mean, there's just so many facets of this discussion. And I'm really thankful for you, Matt, taking your time um, and, and not charging us for your yeah, wise here. financial no advice. No, no. Um, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for asking me. No, it's really good. I feel like I have two friends in the room. We can discuss this. And I just think we, we really, if I can say, it's the gospel is 
is larger than just our salvation. It includes money, and it should include money. And so please, please think about that. Read about it. Maybe we've put a bug in people's minds where they can, now they have a question, they can start well, reading about it. In many it. ways, I feel that COVID revealed a lot. Yes. It exposed sure. us. And money, whether we have it or don't, it exposes in a lot of ways where we are in our relationship with the Lord. And I think we need to be attentive to that. You know, when we're, as you said, what we what are we fearing? Mm-hmm. Let, well, let's address that. Mm-hmm. And uh because those are the issues that uh, really are ultimately going to matter in the and long the, run. And only the story is really big enough to give you an answer right. that satisfies. Right. Like we're all after contentment and we always think the next thing will give me contentment or securing this will give me contentment or, you know, buying, going into debt for this will give me contentment. And at the end of the day, um, money doesn't do that. Just like sex doesn't and power doesn't and fame doesn't and you know all of the things our culture is screaming at us this will make you content and at the end of the day um the story just isn't good enough it doesn't actually take you far enough and our you know the whole premise of this podcast is that god's story does the gospel does and there's hope in that there's joy in that and then and then we get to live wisely utilizing our money for another kingdom, a kingdom that's better, a story that's better. And then when people look at how we spend or we invest or we save, they say, that's kind of weird. Um, you know, what's up with that? Why do you choose to do that? Um, we have opportunities to tell a better story. Yeah. And the better story really that, uh, runs across the canon of scripture is God's presence with us, his provision for us, his care of us, his steadfast, unwavering commitment to his, us. His pursuit. His pursuit, his pursuit of pursuit, us. Yeah. yeah. And I think those are the kinds of things that in those moments of fear when we don't have much or fear when we have a lot, we, we have to rehearse that, that part of the story to us in, in, in our hearts and remember you know, that consistent theme that beats across every episode of the story. Hmm. Well, you've given us so much to think about, and uh, I kind of feel like there will be an arts podcast in the works (laughs) in the near future. Maybe I could be part of that, too. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) We would enjoy that. Thank you so much for taking your time, and um, thanks so much for joining us here on the Everyday Story Podcast. Original music for this podcast was created by John Horton, Our graphics were designed by Virginia Stroud, and this episode was mixed and mastered by yours truly. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time here on the Everyday Story Podcast.